Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. It is Wednesday, May 23rd. Well, at least it will be by the time that you hear this. We're recording this on Tuesday, May 22nd. I'm Connor Garrett. From the future. <laughs> we are in the future, kids. That is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, I have great news for you. It's the offseason, but by the time that you're listening to this, it is going to be... Royal Wedding. Already happened. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. But, I mean, but it was great. We should talk about it. It's fantastic. We shouldn't. We should spend more time talking about the fact that there are only 99 days until the start of the SEC football season. I got 99. You know what? Let's not go down that road. Yeah, I'm real excited. We're in double digits, y'all. Double digits. Yeah. As opposed to triple digits, which we know are the worst when it comes to fevers and days left until yeah. the football season. Pretty much out of all the digits, that's probably my least favorite. Three. We've got a lot of stuff to get to. Surprisingly, for uh, a show in in uh, the middle of May, we do actually have a lot to get to. The big news, though, before we get to anything else, uh, transfer quarterback news. We love transfer quarterback news in the offseason. It tends to dominate the news cycle and Joe Burrow is going to LSU. We forecasted on this podcast that there was what? a good chance that it was going to happen, that he was going to go to the SEC. And sure enough, he is going to Baton Rouge. Are you as excited as every single LSU fan out there? Okay. I mean, when you say excited, you mean drunk. So no, because I'm assuming that's how they celebrated since they're LSU fans. That's not, don't take offense to that. I, I, we talked about this last week about our predictions for LSU and like what it would take for Orgeron to get fired. I'm, I'm going to go back and get a redo. I'm going to reset right now. That's fair. Because I'm, I'm kind of all in, not on him to like win the division or the, the conference, but totally change my mind on LSU. Okay, so what are you... What Strictly are you... because of this quarterback that has never played or started a game in college um, ever. So so you, you think the ceiling is significantly higher than what it was? I mean, yeah, it's like maybe eight wins? That's the, that's the wins? ceiling for this team. I would say 10 wins the ceiling. Okay. I, I don't think that's crazy. I, I think that's perfectly perfectly realistic, given the fact that we expect this team to have a really good defense. We know about the pieces that are returning on that side of the ball with Devin they White. They better have a really good defense, considering how much they paid. Oh, boy. Good old Dave Aranda making $2.5 million to have a very good defense on that side of the ball. We expect that to happen with the Tigers. The thing about Burrow that a lot of people are wondering about is just how, how developed is he as a passer, despite the fact that he has not played as a starting quarterback in three years how much has he learned in the film room in the film room what has he been able to gauge from urban meyer kevin wilson the different pieces that he's had around him guys like jt barrett that he's learned you know the leadership aspects from i mean you could even go back to the cardell jones stuff and learning about how that whole situation <laughs> developed like he was just getting to campus when all that was going down and they're trying to figure out you know braxton miller cardell jones or just JT wait your barrett. turn and have a, a rocket for a right arm pretty much i mean that's that's what's needed to to start at ohio state he didn't get the job over Dwayne Haskins. At least that's what he felt was going to happen. So LSU right. ends up being the destination. The thing about LSU, and this is this shouldn't really come as a surprise for us because we, we kind of saw this coming in a way. We joked that after Danny Etling got drafted that yeah. LSU was going to throw up the graphic of having... Quarterback you, yeah, man. Quarterback you. It was going to happen. We knew this was going to happen. And sure enough, Steve Ensminger, new LSU offensive coordinator, tweets out the graphic showing just how... How many quarterbacks LSU has had drafted? Joe Burrow saw that and was like, sign me up. And it is just a who's who of who's not. Matt Flynn? 
It, it's like it's like a poster of boy bands, but it's only Joey Fatone. It's it's terrible. Have you seen that Joey Fatone has been replaced by Shaq? That's been the thing that's been going all over the internet. If you Google in sync, <laughs> the four members. Of I, did, I saw Justin Timberlake. I don't want to admit it, but yeah, I saw Justin Timberlake tweeted something about that. That's a great addition. I think so. that's an upgrade. It's going to change your range. He's got a very very deep voice. Joey Fatone is in Orlando, and let's just say um, he's not exactly looking like he did 20 years ago. We'll just leave it at that. He probably looks better. He just seems like he's like someone constantly rocking like a chin strap beard and, and a vest, just for no reason but a vest. Hey, if you're in sync, I guess anyway. that's the reason. Joe Burrow, if he is the savior of LSU, which is the ceiling according to some, uh, that is go- he's going to basically be a Justin Timberlake-like star in Baton Rouge. I think that's fair to say. I mean, so I got really excited when I saw this, mainly because preseason magazines have started to come out. So, unlike most weeks, where, you know, just fly by the seat of my pants, I did a lot of research here on some LSU stats. And I'm, again, I'm totally, totally sold on this guy being a difference maker. Okay. I, I can... I, I want to see, obviously, what he does in some of these early season games. They're going to have some good tests early on with the Miami showdown, of course. Uh, that schedule is brutal. It's, it's absolutely brutal, and they face so many good defenses. That's why I really think that's why Ed Orgeron was making this move in the first place was because he sees the amount of defenses that the Tigers are going to have to have to go up against. And he's like, you know what? If we're if we're mediocre quarterback or or subpar and we're one dimensional offense, we're going to get killed, and we can't. The, yeah. my, I'm not going to be able to be here long term if we have a six and six or seven and five season. That's just not the way that it works to LSU. So he goes out and he gets a guy that you didn't have to get up a lot to. He didn't have to give up anything except a scholarship to get him. You're probably going to have to end up losing a couple quarterbacks. That's the price that you pay. That, okay, that I don't think is going to happen. You don't think any the of them are going to transfer? They don't have any. They have three scholarship quarterbacks. Doesn't matter. One, the only one that's like said anything publicly is the lowest ranked or rated quarterback. Justin McMillan. He's played the least. He also actually has the highest completion percentage because he's only thrown and completed one pass. No, I don't think it's going to cost them that much, but... At least one, maybe it, I mean, two. hats off to Ed Orgeron and LSU for always putting themselves accidentally in a position to get like the best quarterback transfer prospect in the country because they never have a quarterback. I don't feel like I want to bet on like a win total for LSU, but there's one thing that I would bet on right now, and it's that one quarterback at least is transferring in the next two months. Yeah. That's without a doubt. But it's like addition by subtraction. Like I think this kid, it's not like he's like, you're opening up like the garage, there's a Ferrari inside, but you know, before you had like three Tauruses and now you got, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a Mustang. You roll the dice on a guy like Burrow because you look at what he did in the spring game. You look at what all of his coaches are saying about him. And, I mean, if you really want to go back, you can go back to high school. And the dude was incredible. It didn't play for incredible. a good program. I mean, he threw for over 11,000 yards in his career. And, oh, by the way, he also ran for 2,000 yards and 27 touchdowns. Like, the guy is a true right. dual-threat guy. We've seen that in the spring game, and that's the system that he's been in. This is what LSU wants to develop into. They want to be able to have these sets where they have three, four receivers on the field. They want to be able to spread teams out. Whether or not they can do that with their personnel, that remains to be seen. But with Burrow, they have a much right. better chance of doing that. And so, and that's that's the one thing that like I keep coming back to is with, I'm going to mess up this name, Ensminger? I'll count it. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. As your new, as your new, uh, Caricature. Real quick, what does Coach one. O sound like when he says Steve Ensminger's name? There's no chance he gets through four <laughs> letters of that entire name. There's no. Is there? <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, that's it. Just be a grunt. Yeah. No, so with his offense, when he was named interim uh, offensive coordinator in 2016, so Orgeron's first year, 
Their offense was god-awful. It was averaging 18 points a game and like 330 yards a game. So then he comes along the next eight games. They're averaging 33 points a game, 464 yards a game, set all kinds of single-game records. They had like 634 yards against Missouri. But like the way he's going to set up his offense, instead of the traditional slow you know, three yards and a cloud of dust, they're going to use the pass to set up the run. And just basically quick screens, quick slants, like get the receivers out in space. Granted, in 2016, he had Malachi Dupree. He had a, a couple other pretty good receivers. So it'll be interesting to see if he has them or that kind of talent. But I think he they're bringing in a five-star receiver. It's like, I think their lone five-star signee this year. Two four-star receiver freshmen. They return a lot, a lot at the receiver position. And they've got the, the transfer from from Texas Tech who led who led the Red Raiders in receiving a couple years ago. So, I right. mean, they're... They're they're loaded on, and at least from a from a young receiver standpoint, they have plenty of talent to work with. Right. We don't know how these pieces are all going to mesh, and they're big. A lot of the receivers are big, and they have Randy Moss's son. Do they? Re- oh, that's wow. At tight end, I did some research, man. Man, they go from having Carl Malone's son to having Randy Moss's son. Like, who who are they going to get? Carl Malone, I forgot about that's that. But impressive. no, the whole point of that offense, like you're getting the ball out of your hands quick and just trying to gain, just be ahead of the chains, just be ahead of the chains. I think you know five six yards, and then it, you have to have an accurate quarterback, and that's exactly what Burrow is. And I think that aspect alone might put some LSU fans at ease. Now, if the results don't come, and if they're flirting with 500 or something like that, eliminated from uh, from a division title early on in you know October or something like that. Then that, of course, is going to take precedent. But I think if you're an LSU fan, you realize now that you can do some different things offensively, and you're a little bit more optimistic from that standpoint. And you're hoping, 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 hoping that Burrow is worth the hype. That he is a guy who's just going to be chomping at the bit, ready to go when he gets there. That's kind of what it seems like. He's going to have a big learning curve, obviously, to be able to master that offense. The, you know, there's different language that comes with it, and every offense, like, I always think that if you are if you are in Urban's, Urban Meyer's offense or Gus Malzahn's offense, if you went anywhere else in the country, you'd be like, oh, this is way different, because just some of the verbiage, and like, Ohio State uses an, uses an H-back, like, very frequently, and other programs don't do that. And LSU's not they got a while back, right? Yeah. So like, there are going to be different things that he's going to have to get used to. But this is a smart kid. He graduated from school in three years. Coaches rave about him. And you know what? Graduated high school in four years. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty cool too. I mean, not everybody's able I, to do that. I mean, I hate that we're going off his high school stats, but two interceptions, sixty-three to touchdowns, sixty-three touchdowns yeah. is crazy. And you know, like, what just blows my mind still. Two out of the past four years, I mean, LSU did not sign a quarterback in the recruiting class, which you don't seem that surprised about. But that's kind of shocking to me because, like, that's the one position you're always lacking at. Now, the one guy you're saying might transfer, they're going to lose one, right? Justin McMillan. Potentially more. He had the tweet, the little, you know, ominous tweet about, I'm not here to, you know, play around. I love this game too much to be played with. Right, that's what it was. So this is a former three-star who chose LSU over offers from UNLV and Arkansas State. I get it. I mean, I get it, but I think you, you're you going to see two kids transfer. I think that's the more likely scenario because, you know, Joe Burrow has two years left. That's the thing that, that separates him with the other grad transfer quarterbacks that we've seen. It's not like he's Malik Zaire and they're going to throw him in there the first game, see that he's not ready to go, and just think, right. okay, we're in trouble. He's not going to be able to start for us moving forward. You've got the hope that he's going to be able to be your starter for two years. I think there's 
there's a very, very strong likelihood that that's, that's the, the scenario that they drew up for him and why yeah. it appealed to him so much. So, I mean, the, getting a transfer like a, a transfer quarterback like this, it's like it's like getting like a mail order bride. I feel like. Oh boy, be careful with this one. You don't know what you're gonna get. I'm gonna keep it PG. Right. Yeah, Malik Zaire, send him back. Send him on, on the first flight back. I don't think I think Joe Burrow's a keeper. He could be. And I, we're not trying to get carried away with grad transfer quarterbacks. We know that there's a reason. I, like there's a reason that people hate this so much. We tend to you know blow these things up. I'll just say this one thing, and don't don't take it for for something that's out of context or anything like that. But he has the ability potentially to have a Sam Darnold like feel in the offense. I'm not saying he's going to be the number one overall pick. I'm not saying he's going to lead the team to, to a Rose Bowl or anything like that. But I'm saying his capabilities and the type of skill set that he brings to the table could potentially be like what Sam Darnold did at USC. Obviously, the efficiency levels and all that stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll you know time will tell in terms of yeah we don't want to get like you know too far ahead of ourselves but I will say he's the greatest quarterback that I've ever seen he's like Jamarcus Russell but white and like probably better at saving money so Texas A&M got the future national championship plaque ready for Jimbo Fisher oh my god let's just get the future Heisman Trophy ready for Joe Burrow and you gotta you gotta start figuring out how big these these little flyers are gonna be with all these quarterbacks. Right, you're gonna have to grow it. I mean, there's no way that that's gonna fit in a little brochure like a mail no, thing that you, you gotta go to Kinkos. Yeah, go to Kinkos. Eight by ten? Don't think so. Yeah, let's let's just get life size um, for all these uh, LSU quarterbacks. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna take a different tone here. Very sad news in the SEC. Former commissioner. Uh, Mike Slive passed away this past week. It, he, he died last Wednesday. We weren't able to address that. We had already recorded um, our podcast last week, and a lot of great things have been said. George Schroeder, USA Today, wrote a tremendous piece on him. Tony Barnhart of SEC Network uh, yeah. wrote another phenomenal piece. Those guys could put so much great perspective into what he was able to do, what it, the former commissioner was able to do during his time in the SEC. And I thought Paul Feinbaum <laughs> had... patting everyone else on the back since we couldn't do it. <laughs> I know, it. right, right. Everyone else was able to eloquently, you know, say how they felt about this man. That's not what we did at all. No, right, right. I, but I mean, that's that's the the real truth. And so many people have said so many great things about him. And and Paul Feinbaum. The in case you haven't seen it, uh, we we threw it up on the site too. Al.com was there to get video of uh, Paul Feinbaum's eulogy that he delivered, and it was yeah. I mean, absolutely tremendous. Just real quick. I mean, the, some of the points that he made, like you know, just about his his personality and the fact that. You know, he was firm, but he was so powerful at the same time. And he was able right. to deal with these ADs in a way to let him know, like, he was the boss. You know, Paul Feinbaum yeah. made the joke about how, uh, you know, when he came, when he was deciding whether or not to come over to, and join the SEC Network, which was, you know, a Mike Slive project, the yeah. ADs were able to vote on whether or not they wanted Feinbaum to have this role into what he is today. And it was a 13 to 1 Jerry vote. Jerry Springer at football. <laughs> right. It was a 13 to 1 vote. And then against him to, to not join the SEC network. And then Mike Slive steps in and is like, no, he's he's going to be all right. We're going to make this thing work. Right. And now look at what the Paul Feinbaum show is today. So just tremendous stuff. Yeah. You can't say enough about him. Yeah. I mean, like it was so three out of the four pages I have in the notes were just all about LSU. <laughs> But no, like what Sly, what Sly was able to accomplish in 15 years is just incredible. Like definitely to the point where I feel like I took it for granted. Like I just didn't realize because it was such a like a run of dominance and not just in football, in so many different sports. So and like one of the first things he said he was going to do was within five years, get everyone off of probation. Luckily, Bama stopped messing around and Mike Dubose left. So that happened. That's good. And Houston Nutt left. So that's also good. 
But, uh, you know, in 15 years, he had 81 total national championships. It's unbelievable. 11 of the 14 schools in the SEC won a national championship. Sorry, Mississippi State. Sorry, Mizzou. Sorry, Ole Miss, I think. I don't know. But over 19 different sports. It's incredible. I mean, it's it really, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I, I honestly, I think, like you talked about this earlier, you know, you have like the seven straight years of BCS national championships, but I, I'd say his best work was 2004 when Auburn went undefeated and didn't make it to the national championship game. For me personally, that was like, you would, that's you would hard to that do. Up. Like, that's hard to go out of your way to make sure that didn't happen, but I was happy But it's that. amazing to think about that in the beginning of when he took over in this conference and how much it changed by the time he left and Greg Sankey took over. Yeah, because I don't think there's any chance in the world that an SEC team is going undefeated and like getting left out of the college football playoff in today's day and age. It's just it. I would lose my mind. It would not happen, and that of course happened no. to Auburn. Didn't get a chance to play for the national championship in 2004 with Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown, of course. Four first rounders. Was, yeah, Jason Camp. Yeah, that was a good team. That was a really good. Team. Carlos Dansby, Carlos Rogers. Yeah, that was that team was loaded. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just amazing when you go back and you just look at how much the conference has changed since he took over and what he left behind. So many of the things that we've come to maybe take for granted a little bit. Just something as simple as the SEC network and the college football playoff yeah. and these things that we talk about all day and we consume bragging rights bragging, right he's made bragging rights the thing to do in the sec and i, well, I think because i can go ahead no you go ahead because i was you you were going to go in a different direction i could just you had that look on your face go ahead go ahead i got something else to say about mail order brides <laughs> um no um, but like we like i think as sec fans and like you know people that are involved in it everyone's main focus is football Obviously, that, that's like the number one sport in the South, and like that's what everyone usually hangs their hat on. So many different sports, and and just beyond that, like you're talking about four Heisman Trophy winners, five NFL first round draft or number one overall picks. I think we had three NBA um, number one overall picks, and then two Major League Baseball number one overall picks. Like just dominant in every single fashion. We won a national championship in equestrian. What? The mind. You're dancing around with a horse. The mindset that that Mike Slive had and. Being able to recognize expansion, recognize TV rights, the yeah. opportunities that were there. You'd be hard-pressed to find many guys in the 21st century, guys or girls, who have had an impact on college sports the way that he has. And I think that's that was kind of the takeaway from remembering a guy like him who has just been such a fixture in this conference for such a long time. So yeah. sad news. We don't really like to talk about, you know, a lot of like sad, like downer things. Cause of course, you know, a guy who's taken, well, not here, soon. but yeah, yeah, not, not, not here at least, but I mean, just incredible when you During look at book club. Yeah. We, we do, we have a, I think we need to get a, maybe a little book club going a little, uh, do a little reading. No, we, we don't. I know it's going to shock you, but I hate reading. Oh yeah. I probably should have seen that one coming. Definitely should have seen that coming. <laughs> You've heard me try to pronounce words on here. Yeah. Not if it's not gonna be a part of the book it program where I'm gonna get like a personal pan pizza on Friday, I don't effing care. I'll just throw that out there. Uh, probably should anyway. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on to some uh, some Alabama drama because there were a lot of different storylines that had to do with Alabama. We don't want to make this a Bama heavy podcast because we really could do that on any given episode. But there were no, just but they went out of their way. There were a lot of big things that it's came like a out kid of Bama. that ran away from home just for attention. I was like, "Good Lord, Bama, we see you." Oh, so the news that kind of kicked everything off was, uh, I believe, it was Blake Barnett, former Alabama quarterback who was at Arizona State, and then he transferred to USF. Couldn't handle Herm Edwards. Couldn't take Herm, obviously. Our guy Herm Edwards was giving him some hashtag real talk, and yeah. Blake was like, nah, I'm not about that life. No. I mean, that's probably a good thing for him. Now he's going to like a play under Charlie Strong, I guess. Good old Charlie Strong, yeah. 
Interesting choices. Getting to take over for uh, Quentin Flowers because he's going to be a grad transfer quarterback. Going to get to face an AAC schedule, which, as we know, an AAC schedule is basically a national championship schedule. So. Oh, my God. No, Move on. Right. We're, we're not going to hit that nail on the head too hard. Speaking of national champions, Tua yeah. admitted that he uh, he was actually going to leave. Well, And then went back and said he didn't mean that and made it sound even worse than the first time because then he made himself sound like a quitter. That was weird. Yeah, you, you take you take this one. Yeah, that was weird. So Tua at first, it comes out that like he that Tua apparently wanted to uh, he was going to leave Alabama if he didn't get to play in the national championship game. That was the the original like quote that was like, oh wow, like that's that's pretty surprising. That's basically what Kiffin said. Very, like that's a tough ransom to just throw out there to your coach in the yeah. national championship right. game. Like that that is basically what Kiffin said. Uh, a few months ago, and the the basic premise of that I have a problem with because, as a, you know, I tweeted this out too. It's like, why are you setting that kind of? You you basically need to get really lucky in your freshman season to be able to start ahead of Jalen Hurts. You can't seriously yeah. think that if I am really really good in practice, I'm going to start ahead of the guy that won the SEC Offensive Player of the Year award and that's the kind of, led yeah, the team to like a national championship. About, like, it, like when I played college baseball, I was like, well, I'm fourth string second baseman, but if I run faster than everyone else on these on these runs in, in the fall, that's I mean no, I mean like what's crazy to me about this is and Bama fans and again I think Tua will start. But Bama fans are so quick to forget how much they loved Jalen Hurts last year and how great he was. And even this year, I understand the offense didn't move as well or as as good as it did last year. Like he's one win, one second away from a national championship his freshman year. And again, he's the one that would have had the game-winning touchdown with two minutes to go in the game on that 35-yard run. Going into this year, he had 16 touchdowns and one interception. Like. He, he did fine. He had, he had that come-from-behind victory at Mississippi State. But if I don't play in the national championship, I'm going to leave. It's crazy. Like, you're basically I, – I understand that, that Tua did everything he could in practice. And all everybody said that he was outperforming Jalen in practice. And if you're playing better than him, then you are setting yourself up to at least – be in that spot where Saban could potentially turn to you, but you still need that thing to happen. You still need Jalen If Jacob Eason goes down, what happens? Fromm steps in. Exactly. Sure, that's fine. But, like, we talked about this the other day. Like, I understand. I, I think he's a better quarterback. I'm sure maybe he, like, outperformed him in practice. How do you take that and then say, you know what? Based off of practice, the kid that's been starting for 14 straight games – and all of last year, I'm going to bench him for a true freshman in the biggest game of the year. Can't do it. Can't do it. So to me, I, I had a problem with that logic when I heard it. And then, you know, there was an interview that he did on, I think it was Saturday night. By the way, his dance, his uh, his Hawaiian dance, pretty good. Guy can move. Guy, guys, yeah. you know, that's going to be in the scouting report when uh, he goes and declares for the NFL draft. Loose hips, got loose really hips. good on the ukulele. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want that all to be in there. Uh, he did an interview on Saturday night, I believe it was, where he like basically tried to walk back the comment and said he was taken <sighs> out of context, of course, and that he was saying that he was considering quitting when Alabama was going through fourth quarter workouts and that he was considering transferring to USC. He like called his dad. Because it was too hard. Because it was too hard. That like is almost worse. <laughs> It's way, it's not almost, it's way worse. It's way worse. Like, yeah, when I go to the gym, like, I'm not exactly going to push through the pain. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do something that's not going to cause me to get winded. I'm not going to see results. I know that. But, like, you can't have that mindset if you're supposed to be the starting quarterback. Right. Can't have that at all. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that I was going to leave if I didn't play. I meant, like, it's really hard to work out in the offseason, and I just don't like that, so I was just going to go to Southern Cal. 
whatever. They're very, they're very misleading comments. If if they were taken out of context, you know, whatever. We're gonna I, move on. And he's he's not I leaving out your birthday, babe. I just I didn't want to have to drive to the restaurant. That's that's all it was. That's, I'm I'm really sorry. Like that's. I didn't want to buy you roses. It's like it had nothing to do with forgetting your actual birthday. I thought this was too hard. I thought USC would be a lot easier. That's like, yeah, what? we have so many dates now, passwords on the internet. It's just a lot. It's a lot to deal with. I'm the breadwinner. Okay, that got weird. Slap in the face to, uh, to to Clay Helton at USC, by the way, that your program is just automatically easier than Alabama's. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of a little little side nugget from that comment of like. Why, why do you think it's just going to be easier at USC? Just He's probably going to be like an, a complete asshole about that now for the rest of the year and make it way, way harder, way, way harder on his team just because Tua said something 3,000 miles away. Right. Uh, yeah, let's let's hope and pray for all the USC kids that um, were thinking that they were going into an easy college experience, and now they're going to have to deal with some fourth quarter stuff. All right, so that happened. Take that for what it is. Probably going to forget about that in a month because that's the way the news cycle works. A thing that has not been moved on from at all whatsoever. The Scott Frost, Nick Saban feud. I'm part of the problem. Yeah. Keeps getting brought up. People keep asking them about it. First of all, Nick Saban, you know, claps back at U- at UCF and basically says, like, he told USA USA Today that self-proclaim isn't the same as actually earning it. So of course UCF then UCF fans get all upset and they're like, all right, well, how did Alabama actually earn it if they, you know, played in a system that's conducive to them? Whatever. Scott Frost then responds by telling KETV, played in a system conducive to them. They played Memphis twice. They're two hardest games. Scott Frost told KETV that Alabama probably has one or two titles that they claimed that aren't recognized by everyone. So Right. In 1941, before like we dropped the H-bomb. Like, this is different times. So that's that's what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about UCF Alabama anymore because we've beaten that to death and we're, we don't have any new opinions on that. What I do want to talk about is a point Scott Frost brought up, and that is that there are a whole lot of claimed national championships, not unclaimed, but claimed national championships that are an absolute joke. And Alabama's got one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the last split national champion pretty should be pretty familiar with old scott frost uh no i mean there have been i think there have been no more that was the last one what about 97 oh usc had one yeah usc had one but they didn't have to like four kick a ball in the air on fourth down in the end zone against missouri which is an illegal play just to advance yeah so there's that and ohio state people don't forget miami miami didn't claim that national championship where they had the pass interference against ohio they state. should have they probably that should was have, a, but that was ridiculous these are see i'd stand for that yeah these these are more ridiculous so i'm gonna go all the way back well actually you know what let's let's start let's start with alabama so alabama what? in 1941 went nine and two alabama was shut out by mississippi state and vanderbilt but yeah, alabama still you know, claimed that's the title. out of context it was in 1941 you don't know how stout that defense was they might have had jamie winborn or something can you picture if saving got shut out by mississippi state and vandy oh my god <laughs> you, you um, no. see this one i love this example because this is the one everyone always goes to which is fine because it's a dumb national championship we shouldn't have claimed that national championship i think we would have known now how many we have <laughs> yeah sure that's silly that's fine i don't need all that i will say and i'm glad you brought this up every person that brings up 41 don't forget about 1966, where they were 12 and 0, and back to back, undefeated national champions, 64 and 65. They go 12 and 0 in 66, and they finish third because Notre Dame sucks, and they played to a tie. Notre Dame and Michigan State were number one and number two. That was the game of the century, and they played to a tie. Yeah. let's just agree so that ties suck. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like you were really gung ho about the Vandy defense being like real stingy and that that shutout. But then when I bring up something like back to back national champions. 
And you're like, oh yeah, that's fine. They're in third. That makes sense because it's Notre Dame. Yeah, look up, uh, look up tape on that 1941 Vandy D. It was, it was pretty good. Oh it was pretty <laughs> they good. were flying to the ball. Just <laughs> <laughs> better yet, uh, turn on the film of 1894 Princeton mm. back when the Tigers were eight and two. Uh, they got shut out twice, just like Alabama. They got shut out by Penn and by Yale, but still, they're like, hey. I guarantee you 41 Bama would have beat the dog crap out of 94 Princeton. Absolutely. I love that Princeton has more national championships than Alabama, but we're, we're starting to figure out why. Yeah. I, I also, like, I love this era of Princeton because I feel like it's, like, dumb Princeton. Like, they weren't, like, really smart people then because they didn't have, like, any kind of, like, education like we have now. Like, World War II. like, oh, yeah, I'm a doctor. Like, there's ghosts inside you. Okay, so, like, World War II happened and they basically switched over from an athletic school to an academic school? Right, yeah. They made, like, a huge transition. It's like Florida State when they went from being, like, all-women's school to, like, crushing the ACC. Total opposite. Yeah. Everybody goes through a little uh, little transitional period. Pitt, yeah. Pitt, Pitt is a big-time offender of the claimed national championships. So in 1918, they went 4-1. and And you ask, oh, this is bad. how did they go 4-1? and one? Well, that's because the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic uh, right. happened. And it shortened the entire season. They were only playing games in November. So they lost at Cleveland Naval Reserve. That was the school that beat that them. That is one of the saddest-sounding institutions I've ever, ever heard of. Yeah. Go figure. Uh, Michigan actually did go 5-0 and that year and then claimed it anyway. So Michigan's also pretty bad should. for claiming a national championship for winning five games. But they should also claim as many as they want because they haven't won one since like 1948. Yeah, so yeah, true. have at it. This is true. Well, 1987, but okay. That was half. Half yeah. one. So another Pitt one. Uh, in 1936, Pitt went 8-1-1. and They got shut out by Fordham. Joe Moorhead shout out. And uh, Duquesne's. Duquesne. Duquesne. Why do, why do I always say Duquesne's? I don't oh, know that's the you always spelled. say because I've never heard you say that before. I do always say it, though. That's not a word that really pops up a lot. Now, what I will say, what is the saddest part about this, is they got shut out twice and they finished 8-1-1. One, and one. Can you imagine having to be subjected to, like, a 1936 football game that ended in a 0-0 tie? I would just go, like, headfirst into the Dust Bowl. Just, I, I just quit football. Yeah, and life, really. Great Depression was happening. Oof. Yeah, that Yikes. that one's pretty rough. That that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. I, I just it's amazing to think about some of these like some of these publications that voted them number one in the country. Yeah. Like they looked at all these other things. Were like, yes, you know, they never watched one. those teams no. either. Like there was no chance they knew anything about. They probably thought it was Duquesne. Yeah. You threw a forward pass, number one team in America. That, right. There's there's no chance that like USC, UCLA, any any West Coast school like Stanford had any shot at being. Favored by, like, you know, Northwestern over them any day. I've got two more for you. These are both really good, too. So Minnesota claimed the 1960 national title despite going 8-2 and two and losing two of the final three games. So the AP still gave mm, them the title. strong. St- the AP did? Still gave them the title, even though they lost to unranked Purdue at home. And then, oh, by the way, they lose to Washington in the Rose Bowl. Washington only had one loss, and the AP still said, yeah, Minnesota, you, you are better. Yeah, babe, so what I just said, like any West Coast school, like, screw you guys. Yeah. I ain't coming out to Spokane to watch y'all play. Maybe there's a backstory there, and maybe Washington, like, Made some people in the newspaper industry mad. I have no idea. Yeah, maybe Mike Leach was their coach back then or something. He was just like a, a raving lunatic or something. I, it's, This is mind-blowing. Isn't stuff. it? It's also good for them. Good for them. Minnesota being good at something. Minnesota's got a lot of claimed national titles. All right, so... Uh, they won in 41. They split it with Bama. That's a fun fact never for forget. you. Last one for you of our ridiculous national title claims. So in 1967... 
our good old friends at Tennessee, they lost their first and last game of the season. So they have bookend losses. And Litkenhaus still gave them the number one vote. Uh, that was the only publication that voted them number one, Litkenhaus. I'm not even sure if that's like a radio Great. station. I have no idea what Litkenhaus is. I think it's a, a Nazi-based uh, newspaper that used to used to circulate around. I'm not making that up. Don't give me that face. I, I got a little. Everyone s- knows it's not real. Got a little bit scared there. Uh, I could actually <laughs> kind of believe it with that name. But yeah, so Tennessee is like, yeah, we'll take it. Whatever. We'll, we'll claim that national championship. Yeah. One one newspaper says that we deserve number one to be the number one team. Whatever. Fine. We have two losses. Does doesn't matter. So a year later, then Lickenhaus gave 1968 Georgia the national championship. Georgia did not claim this. Because Georgia was Georgia was eight one and two, so they only won Ugh. eight of their eleven games. And Lincoln House was like, Georgia, you deserve a title. Proud of you guys. Proud of you you guys. did it. Thank you for Georgia. Thank you, Georgia. They sound like not the desperate, that. desperate, like kind of like overweight girl at prom time. Like, no, I think you're a ten. Like, no, I'm obviously not a ten. No, yeah, I'm obviously not a ten. Look at this cummerbund. I can't even figure out how to put it on. <laughs> Gosh. All right. We're, we're hopefully going to get more talk about uh, claimed national championships. Maybe in this offseason, we're going to notice some teams are going to claim more national championships, and we're going to have to talk about them. I would absolutely love that. Don't, that makes one of us. Don't sleep on that in 1941, Vandy D. Uh, really, really. Oh, and then also in, in actual news. Yeah. Oh, in actual news. Yeah. Speaking of uh, big time matchups, so Alabama adding another huge, huge home and home series after they added Notre Dame a few weeks ago uh, Bama then adds Texas the home and home for 2022 and 2023 is set I think Nick Saban is still going to be in Tuscaloosa by the time that rolls around but I yes don't even, good good yeah. good stuff I love seeing this absolutely love seeing this and this just confirms that Nick Saban wants to do home and homes and this is just going right. to be how he operates in the future and I love the fact that he did it within the window of the other big home and home with Notre Dame mm-hmm. instead of you know, like most college football games that are like, oh, yeah, we set up a huge matchup against USC. It's going to happen in like 15 years. Like, all right, cool. I'm not even sure if I'm going to like football then. So With you, it's I mean, not sure if you're going to be alive then, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah, I run that risk every day. That's fine. But no, first off, I called this. You did call this I, a few weeks ago. I called on the yep. Facebook Live. I called on the podcast. Pretty excited about that. Sick bright. It's like a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. So I, I would say if, I, if I'm so bold to do so, I would be the national champion at, at predictions for claim it. Yeah, I just did. Okay, it's like uh, I make shirts. Like in the office when Mike Michael just gets out into the the main room of the office. Oh. <laughs> I declare, I declare bankruptcy. bankruptcy. Same exact thing. Oh, that's wonderful. What? All right. What's more likely here? Alabama gets three more titles, or Texas gets one by the time twenty twenty two rolls around. 2022, it's a small window. I would say Texas. Texas getting likely. one is more likely than Alabama getting three. Three in four years? Yeah. Which would be four in five years? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably more likely. I mean, they don't have to play Auburn or Mercer like we do every year, or Mississippi State, who's apparently the greatest team in the world. I appreciate you recognizing that. It's about time that you got on my no, same just, level when it comes to the Mississippi State hype. I just, I would say, realistically, what Georgia is building in the East is going to be a pretty big buzzsaw that Bama's going to have to run into. Yeah. I would say, if I was betting, I would say neither, but that'd be a cop-out. That yeah. neither Texas or Alabama. Joe Burrow will have, like, two Heismans by then, so. Two Heismans, maybe three or four national championships. Like, why stop there? Exactly. Yeah. So, continuing along the matchup theme, uh, we want to talk about, today we want to talk a little bit about some of these crossover games because there's been, I mean, I think there's always a healthy discussion in terms of, like, what, 
each crossover draw is going into a season. Right. Teams like to complain about it. Some teams like to claim that they shouldn't have to face Alabama, <clears throat> Tennessee, and others like to just simply remain quiet and thankful that they got a very nice crossover draw. But we right. want to talk about the headliner crossover draws, the thing that could potentially decide a division race, a college football playoff race, stuff like that. The games that stand out to you on this schedule, LSU and Georgia is where we start, right? Yeah. I mean, I love the new format they have for this. Now there's 14 teams because when there was only 12, what it was, was you'd play six, you'd play five conference games against your like teams in your division. You had two teams from the opposing division that you played every year. There's a staple on your, on your schedule. Bama's was Tennessee and Vandy. Pretty awesome. And then you rotate another one every like four years. So now you have one, it's a mainstay. So, you know, Georgia and Auburn, Bama, Tennessee, and then you rotate. And this year we're going to have some pretty good matchups. Pretty good matchups. I'd, I'd say that the slate is, is very solid. And we, you know, Georgia LSU, I think is going to be Great because it's going to be in Baton Rouge. Right. Georgia, if it's undefeated going into that game and maybe Coach O needing a big time win to kind of rally the troops, I think that's going to be phenomenal. Georgia Auburn, I think you can pencil that one in as being really good. That one yeah. in Athens this year. So maybe Georgia's going to be a little bit, eh, maybe a little bit favored, eager to kind of get some revenge, even though I know the SEC championship happened. But th- those yeah. two games right there are really intriguing. And then the team that I think, if you want to say, Maybe, okay, so the team that I think kind of has a really sneaky, tough crossover draw is actually Florida because Florida has to go to Mississippi State and then has LSU (laughs) at home. sneaky about it. Nothing sneaky about it. Dan Mullen's got to go back to Starkville, his old stomping grounds. You know that the Cowbells are going to be cranked up to 11 for that one. Uh, yeah, I don't. I feel like it's not going to be one of those things where they're going to be angry and like looking for revenge because like they didn't have a lot to cheer for before he got there. So I think it's going to be like, oh, welcome home. That being said, the Florida LSU game is going to be huge, in my opinion, because that month of October for LSU, like we said, is is going to be very, very difficult mm-hmm. to get through. So you already have Georgia. I think they played Georgia the week after they play Florida. I mean, it's a gauntlet they're going to have to go through, and they're on the road again in Gainesville. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be brutal. What's going to be weird is that you're going to have potentially two like really different offenses with Florida and LSU if both of those teams are actually trying to spread people out and right. run this spread spread attack you know up tempo they might have quarterbacks too they which might, we're not used to they seeing might have quarterbacks we don't want to officially say that it's going to happen but like i i will say out of all the the fun and like traditional cross divisional games the one i hate the most Texas A&M and South Carolina do tell they cuz they just forced it on us Right? I mean, it's just, it, they forced it on us like as soon as like A&M came to the league. And they even, they tried to make it seem like a real rivalry. It's not. It's not. They have a trophy. I need to teach you the Big Ten way to do things because that's the way to do oh, it. God. You make a trophy and then you come up with a game, with a name like the Heroes Trophy or something like that. or the, All those trophies were things that like, they just had lying around back in like 1919. They're like, this is important. This is significant. It's actually kind of cool, like just to dig up an old trophy and say this is what we're gonna play for. I think it's actually a great idea. I'm not all about participation trophies, but it's a bucket. There's something. There's something about celebrating with with a random object that you had like buried in like your you know like equipment closet from a century ago and just pulling it out and you know. I mean, I get fired up for Michigan Ohio State, but that message in a bottle game every October. When Northwestern goes to Purdue, that is one of my favorite games of the year. I love it. Yeah, but the manufactured rivalries are just a product of expansion. It's going to happen. I mean, 
you can't just leave these programs that are coming into the conference without a rival, so to speak. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Stop, Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. That movie yeah. came off, Mean Girls came off 15 years ago, didn't it? Or 14 don't years ago. Don't say this to me. This is awful. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Anyway, I don't even want to go into my favorite cross-divisional games of all time now because <laughs> they're all sad for me. Arkansas, Tennessee. You've got some good ones I in mean, here. Some of these games, like, like one of the reasons I look forward to these is – some of them have a huge, huge impact on not only like the SEC championship, but also the national championship. So like 98, Arkansas, Tennessee, where I think it was Clint Sterner on third down just inexplicably tripped over himself and fumbled because he put the ball on the ground. It's like brace himself. SEC Network Tennessee won. analyst, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know. I'm still mad at him, I so I hope not. Okay, go ahead. Let's see. Florida, Auburn, 94. Florida was, I believe, ranked in like the top five. Auburn was coming off probation, and they had won like 15 or 16 straight games. Fred Beasley in the end zone for a touchdown. Auburn upsets Florida. Uh, Florida LSU 97. Florida was the number one team in the country and got upset in Baton Rouge. Yeah. That place was real loud. Yeah. That was a night game definitely too, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. And it was like peak Spurrier. Like they had just won the national championship the year before. And you got to remember like in the 90s, no offense LSU fans, LSU was just the definition of average in the 90s. They were 7-4 and four every single year. They still somehow always had a running back. Cecil Diesel Collins, Kevin Falk, they always had a running back, but they were pretty, pretty average. How many times in that game do you think Spurrier, was he wearing the visor yet? Oh, always. No, because there was a period where he wasn't wearing the visor. When he's like in the womb? No, no. There was, there was a period, I, I thought there was a period at Florida where he wasn't wearing the visor too. Only when he threw it off his head, I think. Yeah, maybe he only had like a few games where he would just go without it. But I feel like he he definitely like did like the old push the visor back, brush the hair thing, probably at least thirty times, and showed him on camera doing that. Like Braden, or Landon with a Y. My personal favorite, Bama UGA blackout game, two thousand eight. Another personal favorite, the original blackout game, Bama. I mean uh, Auburn Georgia, two thousand seven. That, if you remember. Auburn was ranked ahead of Georgia. Georgia had, like, caught fire after they had lost two games early in the year. They almost got into the national championship game. But that was when they had no Sean Moreno. They were, like, just tons of energy. The entire entire sideline did the uh, Soldier Boy, which seemed cool at the time. Do you remember the Soldier Boy, like, how big that was, like, to learn that really, really simple dance for two seconds yeah. and how everybody did? And then it was like, all right, shut up, go away. Yeah. What's, what's next? Cupid Shuffle? Cool. <laughs> Cha-cha slide? Can't wait. I'm white. Just give me a dance with instructions. Yeah, that's that's all you need. Just two steps now. One step to the left. Right. One step to the right. That's that's all I need. Yeah, these uh, these crossover games, though. I mean, I, I think that they're fascinating because I do think that every year, because you only get two of them, there are a lot of teams that are going to be frustrated with the fact that they get a tough draw. Alabama right now yeah. has a really easy draw, all things considered, to be able to face Vandy in Tennessee every year. They don't have that big that, headline. They don't game. do that anymore. Okay, they, they don't do that anymore. They used to do that. That used to be a staple. They did this past year. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's can't argue that. But, I mean, this year they have Mizzou. Also, it's not fair to, like, use them as the example because they're better than everyone right, else. Right, right. I mean, it's it's all relative, especially when you look at yeah. strength of schedule and all that stuff. We, we say this like we know, you know, exactly how good a team is going to be, but it right. really is relative. I think that Mizzou, I mean, with Drew Locke against that Bama secondary that replaces six starters... I mean, in Vandy last year like that, I thought that was going to be a tough game because you had that falsetto giant Samoan guy who talks with like a soft whisper and said, y'all better watch out now. Coming for you, Alabama. People don't forget. Foot, meat, mouth. Yes. How about hook, meat, leg? How about that for a transition? Jake Fromm. Good job, Jake. Jake Fromm. Oh, man. That's 
uh, a tough go he had this past weekend. Uh, he got a fishing hook stuck in his leg. Yeah, you heard that correctly. Jake Fromm, starting quarterback for Georgia, also kind of like a professional swimmer, or a professional fisherman, not a professional swimmer. Is he really like a professional fisherman, or does he just have like one of those stupid shirts? I say he's professional because he's been in competitions to win money at the college okay, so level. Yeah, so isn't that considered yeah. professional? Or I mean, I've done am- that with cornhole, so I mean, what, what are you trying to say, man? Well, I'm saying is the difference between amateurism and professionalism, we won't get into that discussion. I never got a dang beanbag stuck in my leg, so there's that. Yeah, this is mind-blowing to me. Like, it's just not, I can't tell if this is like one of the dumbest injuries, because it's not going to have like a significant impact. He's not going to have like a recovery time. But I've, I've been fishing a, a, a decent amount. That's never happened to me. Jake Fromm so is one of the basically, good ones. I think I'm probably a better quarterback than Jake Fromm. That's pretty much what I take from it. And Justin Fields is probably going to be starting now because Jake Fromm yeah. is can't figure out his way out of fish hooks to the leg. He's definitely going to get asked about that when he declares for the yeah. NFL draft and he's going through the the process. I would have loved to see like the awkward conversation of like just somebody passing by like on a on a boat like where are they where are they biting at huh? Oh oh it's in your calf. Okay mm-hmm. yeah that's not not what we're looking for. I've done dumb stuff like that, though. One time I almost cut the uh, tip of my finger off when I was 19 trying to open up a bag of cereal that I couldn't open with my own two hands. That sounds Keep in mind, right. I was in peak physical condition at this point when I was 19. What kind of cereal and, uh, was it? Probably like Raisin Bran or something stupid. Not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth it. I, I held up, like, with my the A-Town Down sign in the middle of the bag and tried to just, like, poke a hole through. It was really dumb. That is really dumb. Yeah, I didn't think it through. Even for you, that's that's kind of saying a lot. Thanks, man. Yeah, I had uh, appreciate that. one of my uh, co-camp counselors, uh, shout out Brett Wallace, uh, if you're listening to this. Hey, Brett. Yeah, he uh, gave me a dead leg and I dislocated my knee in Did front of a bunch of kids. this is like summer camp? Yeah, summer camp. So it was in front of like kids and everything. And uh, it gave me a, a dead leg and my knee just shot right out. Not very good. But you're so embarrassed. I know. Well, yeah, not really. But I was, I was embarrassed because I was like on the ground, like basically crying afterwards because... I don't know if you've ever dislocated your knee, but it is not fun. I did. I did it in a baseball game, though, where there were, like, women in the stands watching. So you're like, oh, so, I'm fine. No, I didn't. I, I, like, yelled. I thought I tore my ACL. Oh, yeah. And then I got one of those, like, Stanford knee braces that the quarterbacks wear. That Stanford quarterbacks wear at least two of them. We were talking about yeah. this today. That's the go-to look. If you're going to be a, a, a Stanford quarterback for Halloween, you would just wear two knee braces and... Yeah. yeah. And a neck beard. And a neck beard. All right. That's just Andrew Luck. I don't know if any Stanford quarterbacks have... Had a neck beard since. Um, okay, moving on to uh, our guy, Johnny Manziel. It is comeback season. The comeback continues. Johnny Manziel signs with the CFL. Hamilton Tiger Cats. What a name. That sounds like a minor league baseball name. But yes, he is going to be playing for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But the problem is he's probably going to be number two on the depth chart because... Aren't, aren't tigers just cats? Like, why couldn't you just leave that off? That's a good point. That's rude. That's, that's no sense. That's like whale fish. Uh, river sharks. Yeah, like... Also, how do you cheer for a team like that? Like, how do you yell, go Tiger Cats? Uh, T-Cats, maybe? Yeah, that's, uh, right, yeah. that's not I really thought that's been through. Johnny Manziel is going to be playing for them, but he's not going to be the highest paid former SEC quarterback on his own team. I believe he's going to be making about half of what uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, former Ole Miss star legend, not really a star at Ole Miss, kind of a star at Oregon. but uh, He was, yeah, and then he just... I guess there was like better weed and and yeah he had like and, a burglary thing like he had like three things he in had a row. lot yeah he had a lot and then he was kicked off and every the team. time they had his like mugshot like it was like oh this makes so much sense it was it it was it was not a good ending for him at Oregon and then he was able to no. somehow get 
eligible immediately at Ole Miss. I have no idea how that happened. Uh, Ole Miss did not have a very good year. I think they won like four games that year. But yeah, he's. I wasn't high off like smoking weed, man. I just it was too lazy to get heroin. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, you know, same line of thinking. All right, uh, that was a callback from earlier in the podcast. Oh, that's right. Damn it, Connor. Sorry, I'm I'm too slow. Uh, yeah, so Johnny Manziel is going to be playing football on what's the the like TSN? Or, yeah, that's the Canadian Sports Network. That's like Lifetime ESPN. Not Lifetime. Come on. Probably. We're going to get to see Johnny Manziel highlights on SportsCenter basically like very randomly. That's that's what's going to happen because we'll get those random CFL highlights in the middle of the summer where like some former yeah. like Ohio State guy makes this circus catch and you're just like, oh my gosh, there's football It'll going be on? sandwiched in between like 40 minutes of like basketball highlights mm-hmm. and then just like an open forum rant that uh, all of their analysts will have. I'm excited to see this though because I think it's Johnny Manziel accepting the fact that he's probably going to have this backup role and that's what he needs to do to be able to survive. Like he's really working from the bottom up in terms of like I his mean, prestige. Jeremiah Masoli was fat in college. I can't imagine he's in better shape now. He's, unless he pulled like the Chad Kelly thing. He's been there for like four or five years. I, so it's I, longer than that. I think he's been there since 2013 on with, with the franchise. With that specific franchise, but for that he was working as like a UPS driver. No, I think play football, man. If you're getting those paychecks to play football, you just you just keep getting the paychecks. Was was Jalen Rose say? Just keep keep cashing them checks. Yes. Yeah. So Johnny Manziel is going to be getting a paycheck to play professional football. Progress for him. I want to see what the former AM star can do with actual competition around him and not right. playing in like a spring game atmosphere or and free like healthcare. That. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's right. So, I thought this was in our notes from earlier, and you have deleted it. I have deleted but it. But I did not forget. Oh, no. This weekend is Memorial Day. Oh, no. This weekend is Memorial Day. I shouldn't say, oh, no, Memorial Day. I'm saying, oh, no, because yeah, I know what's terrible. coming. Yeah, What's wrong with you? No, Memorial Day is I would not great. say that ever. Thank you so much for your service, veterans. Thank you. Thank you, veterans. Remember, guys, this is the important one. This is not Labor Day where you just get, like, an extra weekend to go shopping that's tax-free. Yes. This is the big one. So, thank you so much to all of our, our veterans out there. Moving forward... I've got a little quiz for you, a little little quick family feud, if you will. Okay. Okay? Okay. So I pulled 100 of our listeners. No, you didn't. And, yeah, I did. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. You have to give me the answer and see if you can come up with 200 total points and win a free SDS sticker. So I have to guess the most popular answer. Yeah. Okay. Okay, you ready? Okay. It's. I mean, it's only. there's only two options in each one. All right, go ahead. Okay, start the clock now, okay? Summertime, beach or lake? Beach. That is correct. Okay, music. Jimmy Buffett or Bob Marley? Buffett. Wrong. Kenny Chesney. Um, how much SPF are you using on a scale of 1 to 115 with your complexion? 30. 69 was the answer. First summer job? <laughs> uh, first summer job was sports camp counselor. Okay, that's exactly what I thought you would say. So, yeah, you get that one, 100 points. Summer camp. I was going to say summer camp by yourself. We kind of skipped that one because you're you're big on, on that. Um, sunglasses or a hat? Don't say both. Sunglasses. Okay, good move. Corona or land shark? Corona. Zima. <laughs> Panama City or Daytona Beach? Panama City. No, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Uh, ice cream truck trip. Snow cone or ice cream cone? Chocolate taco. That's not an option. You're too smart. That was that was correct. Yeah. Only have two more. Road trip or a cruise ship? <sighs> cruise ship. You're an idiot. I know. That's, I that's am. the wrong answer. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger, not close. Oh, my God. All right, so you're a communist, we found out. You won. <laughs> you got 201 total points, luckily because you're background in camp counseling. 
I was, that wasn't so bad. All right, I made it through. I made it through. I don't yeah, know if uh, we learned so much about you. Yeah, I, I think our listeners learned a little bit. Hopefully, they're going to be enjoying Memorial Day without. Well, the good thing about Memorial Day too, besides like the fact that you know we get a chance to recognize our veterans, we get a chance to appreciate um, the men who have died for this country. You know, we're, one of the things that's going to come out of this weekend is those aquatic trick shots. Drunk. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Aquatic trick shots. That's what I was going for. You are, also that. Yeah. Probably both at the same time. Eh, let's let's hopefully hopefully none of the SEC quarterbacks are going to be you know too hammered on the lake while throwing trick passes to somebody on a jet ski or something. It'll be awesome seeing like Jake Fromm throw another trick pass of like a needle like right into like his Achilles. It'll be trick shot trick shot fishing. That's pouring salt in the wound like kind of literally there. Yeah, you know, the guy's still too recovering. Soon? Too soon. Oh, Way sorry, too soon. sorry, Jake. Yeah. He's, Big fan of yours. He, Pull through. He's definitely listening. His brother is listening. Against all odds. What's the worst that can happen? You get injured early on in the year, and then you'll just come back and play later, right? Just like last year with Eason. Hey. What? According to Will Muschamp, a guy who tears his ACL in the spring can come back and be that's ready right. to go in the fall. So If you just yell at it and pray, you just yell at your knee, that, that'll work. Modern medicine. It is unbelievable. All right. We hope you guys are en- going to enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. I definitely will be. I'm seeing Chris Stapleton this weekend. So I'm uh, I'm very excited. By the way, at Daytona. So just saying. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Do you have a tetanus shot? Like a like a up-to-date? Uh, I almost got stabbed in Daytona at a place called Razzles. That definitely does not sound like an adult establishment at all, does it? Well, it's, it's pretty popular. It's a nice discotheque. We're going to end with uh, It Might Mean Too Much. We've got two of these for you. We've got two of these. So as we all know, home attendance numbers pretty much tell the story about your college team. If your number is really high, your team is really good. That's why Michigan wins <laughs> national championships every, every single year. Right. A&M is playing them in the national championship year in, year out. Bragging rights. That's what it's all about. So always the SEC, as expected, dominated the home attendance numbers. Seven SEC teams had an average home attendance of at least 80,000. That's incredible. Even more incredible, 11 SEC teams were ranked in the top 25 in terms of average home attendance. That's, that's almost every single one, Connor. Yeah, that's that's a so lot. Just so you know, the next time you bring up some ridiculous argument about the Big Ten having a tough schedule in their conference, and I make fun of Rutgers and Northwestern and Purdue and Indiana and you compare them to Arkansas and all that, they're playing in real stadiums. Right. They're not playing in like a high school stadium. Have you ever been to a Big Ten stadium? Absolutely not. Love it. The kickoffs are at 11 a.m. It's really bad football. The grass is always too high. It's like they forgot to cut it. It's not for me. I think you just you just described a weekend in Evanston as what you did at Northwestern. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I have to have a lot more time to start drinking before I have to watch mediocre football. If you're going to drag me to that. If you're having seven teams that are averaging north of 80,000 fans a game, isn't attendance supposed to be dropping in football everywhere? Like, aren't we supposed to be getting to the point where it's like, yeah, cable is, is great. I can stream all these games. Or right. The SEC is just immune to all that, apparently, and these schools are still somehow over 80,000 fans. Half of the SEC schools are getting more than 80,000 fans. That's unbelievable. There are- well, let's, there's not a lot to do in College Station. Throw that out there. Uh, I'd say for Auburn, Alabama, yeah, not a lot going on in the state for most of the fall because Dega ain't in town. Florida, that that was that's the one that surprised me because that's the hottest place I've ever been. I sweated through my jean shorts in like twelve minutes. It is so hot down there. You know what's so? You know what's funny? That's not the first time you said that sentence. Do you do this every week? I know. You whenever you bring up the fact that you sweat through your jean shorts, I think to myself. So only been two times. Only been two times. But you've referenced it more than two. I feel like. I'm probably not. I mean, 
Eh, what do you know? You answered most of those questions wrong in my quiz. I did. Terrible, Cosmo terrible. says we're not supposed to be podcast partners now. C- can I take back my answer about cruise ship and, and road trip? I just went on a I cruise. I would hope you would, yeah. I went on a cruise a few months ago, and it was great. I went with a good group of people and didn't have to, like, fly or anywhere because it was just out of um, out of Orlando here. So it was, it was it really worked out really well. So I, I have recency biases taking over. Yeah. Plus, they do those little animals with the towels. We didn't even get to talk about like our perfect cookout with the SEC coaches, so we'll have to save that for another time. Oh, man. We're going to save that for 4th of July. That's fair. Memorial Day is about recognizing uh, the soldiers that we have lost, and when you have paid your proper tribute to those soldiers, then you get to shoot aquatic trick shots and then post them to Twitter, right. and that's pretty much the way it works. And you get a nice exactly get a nice long weekend. Well, we're, we're still working through the offseason. We're, we're going to be working on Monday. Nonstop. Nonstop. No, what? Yeah. That was your Maybe Coach not. O voice that you just brought back. Man, we're going out here. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have some things on the grill. Oh, real quick. Real quick. We have a five-star review that we absolutely... We got to read the Les Miles tweet. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do that first, yeah. and I'll, I'll pull well, up the five-star review. I don't have it review. in front of me. You do. Okay. I have the five-star review. You, me, me, you, you, me. All right. I don't have the Les Miles thing. I know. All right. I'll do the five-star review. I got the five-star review. Mine. Five, six, seven, eight. Go. Connor, I don't have the Les Miles quote. All right, fine. I'll do the five-star review. This is when mom and dad are fighting. And you're just like, as a kid, you're pretending not to listen, but you really are listening. And you're like, oh my God, are they going to get a divorce? Well, they probably turned us off by now. Yeah. All right. So we got, our, we got a tremendous five-star review that we absolutely have to read. We love the five-star reviews, as you guys know that. Um, so this was from JJ Braves fan. Um, subject line, Fave Sports Podcast. So JJ Braves fan said, this podcast makes me want to relive my college days. Go walk into the nearest sports bar, sit at the bar strip off my shirt, start literally pounding my chest and bragging about Georgia football and dare the other guy to hit me first. Here's where it gets interesting. I'm about 92% certain that Chris would come with me. Maybe we could find and harass intern Butch that night as well. Keep it up, boys. Wildly entertaining and surprisingly informative. Golf. There's just so many backhanded compliments just wrapped into that one beautiful present of a review. That is how it's done, folks. That's how it's done. I wish you could have seen like seen like my jaw just steadily drop when I was reading that like the first time and I was like, oh nice, nice. Why am I being implicated in this at all? But yeah, I'd probably be down for most of that. Yeah, what what, what about that was was factually incorrect? I'm that not gonna be rubbing off my shirt. I'm not in shape enough for that yet. You did that for the Jim Harbaugh picture. Yeah, I mean that was that was photoshopped. Yeah. Not really. But I mean, yeah, thank you for the five star review. We only got one this week. I was kinda of disappointed in that. Yeah, we're gonna challenge you guys. We love our listeners. We love that you guys are always willing to entertain us with your five-star reviews. They are, they are seriously entertaining. They are more entertaining than I ever could have imagined. Keep those up because we love reading them on air and giving you a shout-out and pretending like we can base yeah, things I off your life. Yeah, validation right. if you guys haven't figured it out by now. Yeah, no, we, we need that validation. Uh, you guys better week. give us a five-star review. Or I swear to God, this weekend I will take a fishing lure and put it in the back of my leg. I think a lot of people would actually like be okay seeing that yeah that's probably fair yeah damn it we might have a special treat for you guys this next week maybe i'm not gonna say what it is but we're talking about it it's something that we've never done before (laughs) something i'm really excited about and that's all i'll say that's my little tease so definitely make sure if you are not subscribing already definitely subscribe to the sds podcast make sure you're following us on twitter at the sds pod follow you can learn a mail order bride oh gosh again with the mail order bride I tell you what we will have this week. Um, if you're in the Atlanta area, come on down to Limerick Junction. I'm going to do stand-up comedy. So a little little shameless plug there. So you can May throw, 29th. throw tomatoes at our boy. There's no chance. Better not. Do they not lo- allow tomatoes in the club? 
No, Connor, it's not 1974 or like a like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, so that doesn't happen. No, that's not a kind of life I want to live in, so. <laughs> all right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. As always, make sure you're following all of our accounts, subscribe, tell your friends about it, leave us a five-star review, all that good stuff. And remember, the most important thing, that's your cue, Chris. Mail order bribes, it just means more. <laughs> it might mean too much, that's trademark, we can't do that. Every single time. Every Sorry, Shania Twain, the commercials. Oh, jeez. Thanks, guys, we'll see you next week.